Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was a WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the ships and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize, stand together, speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world unite for all the Yeah. In the intro to this, this episode be She's biracial <laughs> She's a biracial girl Yeah, Dondre said some funny things in the episode that's gonna come after this one about how he was like, he was like, I'm gonna let y'all talk about that shit, like, I'm not even gonna touch that <laughs> we were, In regards to Olivia Baker on All American who was one of the oh, mixed race characters we're gonna talk about yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, welcome to Leftist Teen Drama Season 2. This is only the second episode of the new season. Um, wow. And welcome welcome back to the pod, Liv. Thanks for having me again. I, I love coming on here and talking about teen dramas. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast before, you'll know that I met Liv in freshman year of college. And then even though she ended up going to a different school, we all continued to hang out together in Boston and continue to be friends to this day as uh, somehow functioning adults most of the time. <laughs> Can you believe it? We're real life grown-ups. <laughs> I can hardly believe it. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like, uh, you know, we went to college in a time when Ferguson happened while we were in college and then like a lot of the stuff that mm -hmm. came from that, especially on college campuses, was like activism around like racism on campus and, and such. And so I feel like our, our defining years of becoming friends, there was a lot of talking about racial politics and therefore a lot of oh, talking yeah. about your experience as a, you know, a mixed race kid growing up in Cape Cod. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And Sandwich, the whitest town on the planet. It's like, I think I've said this on a, a previous podcast with you, but it's like 98.9% white. I hope that. <laughs> yeah. There's little room for people of color of any kind. So exactly. Probably not people who are prepared for the nuances of being mixed race. <laughs> Very nuanced. Yeah. I, yeah, very, very nuanced. I started seeing my therapist two years ago, this particular therapist, and she's mixed race. And let oh, me nice. tell you, it is a whole different experience That's having awesome. a, um, 
having a biracial therapist. (laughs) (laughs) While there's a lot of us out there, like the connection between me and her is, you know, it's different because she she gets it. Yeah, it's awesome. So, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about how three different teen shows handle the experience of growing up as a mixed race kid. And, you know, I'm going to say just because of like the way that uh, Dondre has reacted to some of our plot lines before, like probably a trigger warning for you if you are mixed race. Like we're definitely going to like I feel like these shows do a pretty good job (laughs) of like getting at some of the like discomforts of, of like being a kid and growing up in our race society as a mixed race yep. kid so you know trigger warning <laughs> as we go ahead so today we're going to talk about all shows that are recently airing you know don't think this is really a topic that was discussed much in earlier shows so we're talking about all american pen 15 and Ginny and georgia and pen 15 is kind of less of a traditional drama but we're kind of making an exception like we did of sister and sister and moesha we're like you know teen shows that are more comedy slanted but we're still going to claim them mm-hmm. um, so So today we're going to be talking about like a few, kind of a handful of different teen characters. So we've got Ginny Miller from Ginny and Georgia, which Ginny and Georgia, I hadn't watched yet when we recorded, I think the first episode of this podcast and Dondre, you and Dondre mentioned it on the podcast and I was like, okay, okay, I'll get around to it. And so I finally did watch it. And yeah, I think that there's, I just remember that people were like mad about that stupid thing that Taylor Swift got mad about. And I'm just like, are you serious? What happened with that? They made like a Taylor Swift joke about like how, I think it's a joke, the context of the joke is that like she's saying that Georgia like dates men as quickly or goes through men as quickly as Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift making everything about herself like posted that it like wasn't very feminist of them to like do that. Oh, and I'm just up. like, shut the fuck up, girl. You like, know what? If the shoe fits. Exactly. But I think this show does so much like awesome stuff with like being very real about uh, oh, yeah. not only Ginny's mixed race identity, but her boyfriend Hunter's, which we're going to definitely get into. And uh, so fuck you, Taylor Swift. Like racial politics, really awesome racial politics in this show. So (laughs) yeah, like also Taylor, like we've heard enough from you. That's what I'm saying. Every time she opens her mouth, I'm down and make your little diddly, your little music. So yeah, so Jenny Miller is the daughter of like a, a very very gorgeous and sexy interracial couple when they are together very on and off uh, Ooh, and, Lord. yeah past and present too right yeah, exactly Ooh. exactly God. you get to see them when they were teenagers who oopsie doopsie got pregnant which you always know those people are going to be the hottest you know um mm-hmm. like it's not the it's not the ugly kids getting pregnant in high school so the point is jenny is this the product of a teenage pregnancy and she has a white blonde conventionally attractive mother and a equally conventionally attractive black father (laughs) (laughs) then we have on all american we have olivia and jordan baker the baker twins who you know are navigating the privilege of beverly hills and the reality of being black outside of their bubble, as we've talked a little bit about before, but we'll talk more about today. And mm-hmm. they're being raised by their ex-NFL star black dad and their high-powered lawyer white mom. So oh, he digs. Yeah. He's just that ooh, he's so fine. That whole show, that's all I'm saying to myself is he is so fine. Have you seen like his like I've seen some of his behind the scenes stuff where he's like dancing around like, in his trailer and stuff? He's so fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
No, that's my kind of guy. <laughs> and then finally, I thought that it was important that we include Maya Ishii Peters so that we could have, you know, a representative of being mixed race that isn't just black and white. So Maya Ishii Peters is the daughter of a Japanese immigrant, Yuki, and Fred, who's like your average white dude who's a touring musician. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I, I, I'm so happy that you included her in this because I connected so much with her storyline um yeah especially like because her father you know is a traveling musician and she's just with her mom yeah you know that was yeah i'm looking forward to talking about that one (laughs) absolutely so i just i think it's cool because between the three of them i think we're pretty much gonna cover a lot of different aspects of growing up in this shitty world So I guess like sort of like introducing the characters when you first meet Ginny like in Ginny and Georgia the first episode opens on her like comparing herself to white girls at her like old school Uh and then her stepdad dies and they're on their way to their new town where the show takes place and they're stopped at a gas station and like a cop kind of like rolls up and stares really long at Ginny and then Georgia like immediately comes out and it's like hey officer and like her like flirty you know white southern like vibes and he just kind of like moves along and then Ginny's just kind of like that was racist right (laughs) well I mean anytime a cop enters any situation it's racist yeah right but I just thought that that was like that was like within the first five minutes of the first episode and so like it really like sets up like this is a you know with a black daughter with her white mom and like they they mm-hmm. fully understand the implications of that and in yeah. just that one little scene it's like all laid out there yeah right i i feel like i at that age i wasn't necessarily aware of the implications of that like yeah. i mean what is she is she a sophomore in high school yeah she's pretty young because like she's doing a lot of fucking and they're like she's like 15 or something and i'm like whoa okay. Okay. Well, I didn't get to do that in high school. (laughs) Can't relate on that. No. There were no boys climbing through my window. (laughs) I wish. I know. And a couple cute ones, too. I was like, my God. (laughs) But yeah, no, I feel like it. it, I don't know. I always knew, obviously, that I was different. (laughs) I always knew I was blessed. No, I always knew that, like, I was different in my dynamic with my mom, especially as, like, a single mom too like that's in georgia there were some things that like really pulled at the heartstrings for me because i am so close with my mom yeah and i'm the only i know that you know jenny has a brother but i'm the only child to a single mother white mother yeah only daughter that's in common only only daughter yep that's in common wait really quick i know you guys can't see it on the pod but look at this adorable picture of my mom and i oh you guys i know you guys love you some sherry i don't know oh, i just yeah. looked up and she, was, she was there so i was like oh, I'll just um but yeah no our relationship was really special i mean she never shied away from telling me about you know where i came from like the other part of where i came from yeah. as much as she knew you know right and um I don't know. I just, I remember, I don't think I became aware of how white she was until I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was not aware of that dynamic in that way until I went to school. But So then Ginny, you know, arrive in this Massachusetts town, which I also think, you know, they're in Massachusetts. So like, uh... <laughs> trigger warning exactly. for any yeah, trigger warning Massachusetts. <laughs> Anyone from New England. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that we would start with Ginny talking back to the racist AP English teacher, which kind of ends up being a problem and it's going to come up again as it definitely plays into her entire like racial storyline. But I feel like this is just like a good introduction to who Jenny is. <laughs> Virginia, I should warn you, we keep a uh, rigorous pace in AP English. The AP students take this very seriously. So if my class proves to be too much for you, I suggest you do yourself a favor and move down to regular English. And I'd hate to see you bite off more than you could chew. Uh, we cover all the greats, Steinbeck, Salinger, Miller, Homer, Fitzgerald, Shakespeare, of course. Um, 16 books total. Okay. It's Ginny. Oh, he touched her. I hate when people, when old white dude teachers do that. Oh, Welcome back, AP English. Hiding in the back there, you will find our new student, Virginia Miller. I trust you will make her feel welcome. It's Ginny. Now, I know it's our first day back from summer vacation, but I thought it was an excellent opportunity for a pop quiz. Those of you who didn't do the summer reading of The Crucible are in for a world. Uh, don't worry, Virginia, I don't expect you to regret it. Oh, yes, you have a question. There are 16 books on this syllabus. Yes, like I said, you can always drop down to- 14 of them are written by men, 15 were written by white people. And I'm willing to make a guess that the one black author will crop up in the syllabus just in time for Black History Month, am I right? Excuse me? I'm very serious about my education, Mr. Gittin. I'm worried I might internalize an ideology that the main viewpoint, the viewpoint worth studying in class, the viewpoint of the greats, is only that of the white male. Thus eradicating my voice is immaterial. Finally, I'm worried I won't be stimulated intellectually. Also, I have read The Crucible, and I'm confident that I can take the pop quiz today. Are you quite through, Virginia? No. Please call me Ginny. <laughs> well, I don't know how things were done at your last school, Ginny, but here we don't tolerate political outbursts and grandstanding at the expense of your peers' class time. Yes, Maxine. Hey, I'm like also super concerned about my subconscious digestion of the superiority of the white male perspective. And also I have period cramps. So can I go to the nurse? <laughs> yeah. So it is kind of interesting how she sort of seems to gain like the approval of like her classmates through that. Mm. Oh, how things have changed. You know, this this came out in 2021. So this That's is true. prime Gen Z teen drama. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, her relationship. What is her name? The best friend's name? Max. Max, yes. Yeah. Okay, so her relationship with Max does remind me a bit of my relationship with Marnie. So <laughs> those of you who don't know, Marnie is my translucent best friend. She is little white girl, and we have been friends since we were in the sixth grade. And I feel like Marnie like is also gay right like Max right. and like also was always down for me to like would always like come in and say you know still to this day pick like if I pick my battles and she'll fight certain ones for me she'll you know steps up and be a little nice white ally when I need her to be right um, but yeah no that scene Ginny is just on fire in that scene like those are all the things that I wish that I could have said in AP English senior year but I was like ah I I can't because I don't even know how to phrase it <laughs> 
Yeah, no, exactly. I could not have given like that speech in high school. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Sorry, I'm a little distracted by the cuteness of that. Guy. Oh, I know. Yeah, Vinny has made an appearance on the podcast yet again. And he looks up so at Jeff and he's like, Yeah. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I just think it's it's cool that she just like comes in hot like that. And yes, um, she is like just very aware of her identity. And that makes sense because I feel like we live in such an identity based society now. I feel like we've talked about that on this show yeah. before, on this podcast sure. before. Yeah. <laughs> Still, even though everyone seems to like, you know, being woke is cool. Like everyone's like, oh, look at her go and showing up the teacher. She is, they they clarify in the next episode that she is one of seven black kids in the school. So it's still mm-hmm. like a white ass Massachusetts town. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, that's basically just an introduction to Ginny. Then we're gonna we're gonna introduce Maya Ishi Peters. So um, yes. in, the, in the first scene at school, the teacher comments on her Japanese last name meaning food because he's all like, "I know, you know, Japanese." You know, like one of those white guys. Yep. And um, <laughs> that immediately draws attention to her Japanese heritage. And I feel like what we're gonna talk about a lot is just how she. During the entire course of the show, Maya goes on a whole journey with accepting her Japanese heritage. Mm-hmm. And due to a lot of internalized racism, it takes her a while to get there. Right. Um, <laughs> for sure. And I feel like we just, we also just see that, like, within the first episode, the fucking boys come and call Maya Yujis, which means ugliest girl ugliest in school. Girl in school. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of fucking course, the like half Japanese girl is the one that is the ugliest girl in school. Literally, I felt that so hard. Like this whole, like, oh, I related so much to my, like, not only, you know, her mixedness, but how, like, her temper tantrums. I'm like, that was me in middle school. (laughs) I know. It's it's like, yeah, no. Fan 15, like, when I first watched it, like, I think me and Jeff watched it together when we first watched it. And we had to, like, take breaks. We were like, like, this is just, like, too close too to home real. to, like, binge. <laughs> exactly. I remember, yeah, I haven't even seen season two, to be honest. Like, Okay, well, I, you're going to get, like, one episode spoiled for you. but That's totally okay. fine. No, for me, it was more of, like, I, it was too real. And then I heard that it got a little more deep in the second season. And I was like, hmm, you know, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that one way that we could introduce Maya is to also, so in season two, there is an episode that is actually centered around Maya's mother, who is a Japanese immigrant named Yuki. And you find out more about how she had like, like she had Maya's half brother with like another man and they moved oh. to the US together. So like for having a relationship with a white guy, she had a relationship with another Japanese person like in Japan. And it's just like you learn more about her perspective. And at, at the end of that episode, she actually like opens up to her white husband for the first time about what it feels like to like navigate the two cultures oh i need to um, watch that yeah i thought that we would watch that because i think the fact that she's the one who's raising maya it's like kind of a nice introduction are you all right i want to tell you a story that i never told you before Uh many years ago i was working on a film called seven nights in japan it was a british japanese co-production and we were all staying in a small remote village And I was the only one who spoke the two languages. And the very first morning, I brought the British crew to the Japanese dining room. The whole Japanese crew were eating breakfast and they're all cracking raw egg and putting it over rice. The British crew, 
They all went like, ugh, oh, we're not going to eat that. So they asked me for milk and sugar. So this time the Brits poured sugar and milk over hot rice. And when they were eating this, the Japanese crew all went, ugh. And I was always in the middle of the two cultures, stuck there. And I feel like I've been like that with you and with my family. Sometimes I never know what's right by you and what's right by the kids. I'm not being too Japanese or trying to be too American. I feel like I'm always stuck in the middle of the two cultures. You, you never talk about this. But I'm happy right now. I'm happy with this life. Okay, with with the old school, like the family video montage. I know. For those who can't see, I do recommend watching that that episode because it's very visually stunning. Yeah, <laughs> and like I know that that's that's Maya in real life, her bio mom. Yes, it is. Which who is plays so Yuki? Yeah, yeah, I think Maya Earth Erskine. Is that her last? Mm-hmm. Not if I said her last name right. She. I'm pretty sure she directed the episode that was about her mom. I so, love that. Very special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt. I felt the whole like being stuck between two worlds. Like I live in that stuck place. (laughs) You know, I mean, of course, the older I get, the more I, you know, feel like myself, but Mm -hmm. that is always. And I feel like always kind of will be a thing is like just being at the intersection of two worlds that are very different. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that 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 put me in my feels. (laughs) Absolutely. And just like so vulnerable opening up to, you know, to her husband about it. And Mm -hmm. when you like think about that in relation to then Maya, like having her own journey with like her own Mm -hmm. Japanese-ness and am I being the Japanese or am I being too you know like white like trying to be white at different times because like she does have her brother Shuji who is actually like full Japanese so she has that there and I feel like he kind of challenges her to be like why are you embarrassed of being Japanese yeah see I so it's so funny I I took notes about pen 15 in specific just because like I wanted to be able to like speak to certain parts that really like uh connect with me and I wrote like I wish I had a Shuji like I really wish that I had had like that older sibling to tell me to like get your shit together and (laughs) put it back and you know like that type of thing but yeah Yeah. it would have been great some type of solidarity (laughs) totally no yeah he didn't he doesn't like admit it but he's a good brother Mm -hmm. he's a really good brother speaking of you know siblings and so then introducing olivia baker which we'll talk a little bit about jordan but like we're mostly going to be talking about olivia we are introduced to her as sort of like she self-identifies as like the like social pariah beverly high and she introduces the fact that she's the sober girl post rehab and like it's sort of seems like nobody knows how to relate to her because they don't know how to like deal with that mm-hmm. and she is like the one who first shares her laptop with spencer when like everyone opens their laptops in class and spencer doesn't have one and i mean if you're watching the show now you will know that she ends up being spencer's love interest later but in this first season it's just like them being friends and spencer is introduced to olivia's entire family including like you know their housekeeper who just kind of like stands in the background and at the beginning of the show olivia kind of just serves as Spencer's guide to like the white world that she has grown up in and I think her journey is interesting because it's kind of her like coming into her blackness kind of like through and like part of that is is through her relationship with Spencer like Mm -hmm. and him introducing Crenshaw to both the Baker twins and then also just a funny line that I put in in my notes is that 
in season four, Simone says, girl, you are the poster child for black emo chick. So I felt like that kind of <laughs> that kind of sums her up a little bit, too. <laughs> Yeah, before we get into each character's journey more specifically, I like basically went through my notes and I just found like a bunch of like microaggressions of specifically and maybe some of these are more macroaggressions depending on the on the bullet point. But ones that I did felt like (laughs) were things that Ginny and Maya endured that like I didn't necessarily want us to watch, but like I just wanted to mention it and, you know, see if it brings up any conversation points for us. So in Ginny and Georgia, we have this character, Samantha, who's kind of like friends with her little little group mang or whatever but like isn't quite in the in the click but you know is that so real in high school like you have the so main real. people and then you have like the friends who you sometimes invite and sometimes you're like um <laughs> i mean i have that her? now i mean yeah but <laughs> anyway so samantha is like just really fucking cringe so in the second episode she says what are you you're so exotic looking <laughs> so that one kind of speaks for itself um that one speaks to me <laughs> i remember okay so i did like this wine consulting thing for a while in college to make some extra oh money. yeah I had to stand in like wine shops and like help people try stuff and try to sell it and this one guy comes up to me he goes Ooh. he's like what is your mix <laughs> and I, i'll never forget that because it's like oh like am i a dog am i a pet like what's my mix it's like yeah you're so ex- you're so exotic and i'm like mm, okay like that is something that like biracial girls hear all the time so they they hit the nail on the head with that one they nailed it (laughs) and then she goes for another classic later in the same episode she says so Ginny which if your parents is white I'm gonna marry a I'm gonna marry a black man so I can have adorable mixed babies oh man how many times have I heard that one right oh there was was a bar in LA they're canceled now but they (laughs) during like you know summer 2020 they put like this statement out and it was like mixed babies are gonna save the world it's like oh god uh, are we though i don't want yeah, that type like, of everything, but, yeah whoa like stop putting all of that on mixed babies like my lord yeah. i already have enough to deal with as we're gonna we're gonna flesh out in this episode right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's just like funny how they like have samantha kind of be like the one who you can just go through the bingo card and she's just you know checking them off and then the racist english teacher also pops up again and again in the second episode Ginny gets a we find out that Ginny got a perfect score on that pop quiz and so did hunter but he like says that hunter is the only one who got a perfect score like out loud yes yep yeah and it's like sir just because she showed you up and has the 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 score to back it up like well and it's also like double racist because hunter is of i I can't remember what I think um, he's Taiwanese and white. Right. But like, you know, we think of like Asian people as, as the golden minority, right? Right. Like they're smart. They're so smart. And like, but there's so obviously so much more nuance. And like, I don't know, I, I felt that being like, you know, because I remember there was a Chai. Yeah, he was Chinese and he was super smart. But like, we were definitely treated very differently by right. by our teachers, like yeah. very different. <laughs> so 
I have been there as well. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think we'll, we'll see more of that when we get to, like, more focusing on, on Ginny and, and Hunter, because there's a lot that happens there. Uh-huh. And so then Abby kind of, like, makes Ginny shoplift, which is like, okay, white girls, like, not seeing how this is different for your black uh-huh. friend. Uh-huh. Um and they get caught and then when georgia shows up she's like did you check the other girl's purses or just my daughter because she's black so she definitely like yeah no fear in that woman oh yeah no no, absolutely none (laughs) and so yeah it's just like a lot of like really realistic ways that this part of her identity like becomes like almost like a discomfort so at the at the sophomore sleepover Mm. like the hairstylist that they's like there doing hairstyles for everyone like jenny's like i'm gonna pass and they're all her friends are like no you have to do it you have to do it and you know she's clearly like this this white barber is not going to be able to do my fucking hair it's like clearly right, what right. Ginny is thinking but then she, all her friends are being like ah, so she does it and this white woman messes up her hair it looks like shit and she like leaves the event to go like <laughs> like wash her hair in the like showers because she's like i look right. crazy <laughs> yeah, we look insane yeah i mean the amount of times that like a white person in like while i was growing up either touched my hair wanted to play with my hair and do my hair like yeah luckily my white mother told me to not let anybody touch my hair that's a really good rule to set down early because it's like yeah Yeah. and like you know it's like a sophomore sleepover or whatever so it's like this big event like she's like she wants to like look good you know and then and then you mess up her hair in front of everyone like that's just you know so then she's giving a presentation in the fourth episode and she's told that she needs to calm down because she's being too aggressive Mm-hmm. by the future and then we get into the fact that so hunter who i'm gonna be real with you like hunter kind of is cringe at times to me like the way that he like does his public displays of affection for Ginny okay. is a lot for me the fucking flash mob yeah like sir you need to calm down and i would have that would have been an automatic eh, we're breaking yeah <laughs> i would have been like no. i mean it's like, like multiple times i'm like i can't um, so embarrassing one of them is a song that he performs for her at some sort of battle of the band situation and mm. then it goes viral and everyone's like for some reason it becomes like a Ginny is like the one who like everyone is obsessed with even though the song is written by Hunter so you would think it would be the other way around but everyone's yeah. obsessed with Ginny and it's all fun and games until she finds this racist ass comment on the video that says this is the whitest black girl I've ever seen and she, yeah yeah Oof, that, that's just that so is, much that is such a yeah i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> i there's so much to chew on back there i know i feel like yeah the i mean and also to like the perception i feel like as a mixed girl but also as just like a light-skinned black woman in general there's like so many assumptions that come with having the lighter skin tone and let me tell you as Dondre probably held back on saying a lot of them are true right (laughs) like there are some assumptions that are you know like a a lot of the times you'll find you know mixed black girls with white mom syndrome as I like to say like it's a a type of privilege or like entitlement that you feel and it's like literally coming from the fact that you have a white mother who doesn't know how to connect with you as as a black person brown person totally so then moving over to pen 15 so there's this character that 
pops up in season two. That's like one of the reasons you should definitely eventually watch it. But it's terrifying that you become friends with this girl named Mora, who's like a rich girl who is wait, like... Wait, I have seen that. Okay, maybe you've seen the first half and not the second half because it came out in two batches. Yes, I have okay. seen the okay, first half. Okay, so more Mora, so Mora then. She is like a, like the best middle school villain I've ever seen. She's, she's perfect. So, yeah, because she's so scary. She's way worse than like the other group of girls too. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like um, they're all like they're all great in their own middle school mean way, but this one definitely takes the cake. So one of the things that she does is when they're at Maya's house after her mom comes in and like talks to them and then leaves again, and like Maya totally does the like mom get out of here thing, and like I think. <laughs> there's like a little undertone there of like her being embarrassed by her mom being an immigrant mm -hmm. and then that's kind of like just brought out into the open when Mora says your mom has like the scariest accent which is just like why would you ever say that <laughs> the, the most like macro microaggression ever exactly, exactly. <laughs> like it's like so much said in such a small little moment mm -hmm. uh, and it like almost confirms like Maya's suspicions you know like why Maya is acting the way she is and then it's like oh yes. of course like yes and then later in season two Maya meets Anna's Grammy who says where do you come from dear because you have such mongoloid features oh so you know yeah. having to deal with your white white friend's grandmother yes yes yeah. <laughs> I had a friend growing up who's grandfather was just old like you know fought in world war ii and she was kind enough to not bring me around him yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i feel like the thing is that anna like it, it, she doesn't she's too like young she doesn't understand no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, and then they end up having these like high school boyfriends like they're like freshmen but like high school freshman boyfriends at the end uh -huh. of season two and at one point Derek Maya's high school boyfriend says you should grow your hair longer Lucy Lou oh, so no. it's just oh, no. a lot of little <laughs> little moments where it just like pops up again and again and it's very good writing because it's all very believable to me <laughs> yeah no there's actually I wrote this down there's a part in season one remember Remember when they're they do the Spice Girls? Oh yeah, um, I think we're gonna video. talk about that next. Yeah. Oh, we were okay. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, no, that was like literally what I was gonna talk about next. The perfect transition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I was, the only final thing I would say is that I feel like it's just a kind of an ongoing microaggression, much like with the Yuja's thing, is that it just seems like in every, like, it's a sleepover episode where Maya is the one who's picked on the most. Like, it just feels like Maya is always the butt of the joke with all the white girls. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which, I, yeah. I felt that. I felt that so hard. And, and even when it's like, like, having them expecting her to be a certain way or, like, put on a show or, you know, going back to, like, Ginny being mistaken as aggressive it's like people are expecting these things from you and when you're that young you just like all right well i want to fit in i want people to like me and if this is how i have to be to to get to that then okay cool right i'll put i'll i'll play whatever characterization of my race you think i am because i just want to fit in <laughs> And that just perfectly leads into our Spice Girls moment. So both Pen15 and Ginny and Georgia place our mixed race heroines in a familiar group costume situation for, you know, anyone born after the late 90s. <laughs> the I was calling it the scary spice effect. <laughs> the scary spice effect, yep. Yep, a co group costume situation that can quickly become racist. So... <laughs> <laughs> So we're 
we're gonna watch this happen in both Ginny and Georgia and Pen15. I think the Pen15 one is probably the one that hits harder and we'll have lots to say about. But I just thought yeah. that it was a really fun, you know, fun in like a, this is such a real thing because two different shows did it. Like, <laughs> I will say like, I'm so pleased with the newer shows that are coming out these days because like, you didn't see this type of stuff when we were younger. Like, no, it's just all I mean, white people anyway. It's all white people. I mean, and even like with a Degrassi, like they weren't necessarily oh, right. like die. Like there were some things, right. But they weren't diving into like the nuances and microaggressions. No, but, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. It was always something that was way more overt, I feel like, on shows like Degrassi. Like, they exactly. exactly. Like, the understanding of race in the public consciousness has definitely shifted um, mm-hmm. in the last, like, 10 years, too. Like, And that it's not, like, so black and white. Like, now exactly. that there's a lot, I don't want to say mixed visibility, but it's like, there's all these, <laughs> there's all of these, you know, mixed race people running around now, you know? Like, we're all a little racially ambiguous and um or some of us are (laughs) and yeah you don't really know where to put us and it's it is nice personally for me to see absolutely coming out it's halloween and then uh oh my god why can't i remember the name of the fucking massachusetts town what is it it's like something berry right and it's not real no it's not but it sounds like it could be you know it sounds like a massachusetts town (laughs) i'm surprised Um, it wasn't like worcester gloucester like one of those ones that make no sense how they're spelled One thing that's also insane to me is that, like, they continually, like, have full-on conversations with Ginny while she's, like, doing her job of being a waitress. And I'm like, this is wild to me, but okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're talking about what they're going to be for Halloween as a group. And Spice Girls come up. Uh, spice Girls. <laughs> Ginny, is it, like, really racist if you're Scary Spice? Not happening. <laughs> but she's got, like, a medicated Britney vibe going on. Oh, yes. What, Britney? I just want what's best for her. We all do, bro. <laughs> Brittany, let's be Brittany. All of her different looks. So retro. I love it. Oh, I call red jumpsuit. Oops, I did it again. Womanizer, the slutty stewardess one. Mm, yes. yes. Love. And I'm definitely red jumpsuit. Should I text Sam? Uh, let's just make this a main thing. Savage. I love you as Regina George. <laughs> By the way, your video is up to 12,000 views. Again, her Wait, video? Does this mean you're not going to ruin our man text thread with your green like a goddamn monster anymore? I mean, (laughs) let me see. I think this is when she discovers the comment. Oh, yeah. It says she's an ugly half-breed. What? It's a bad one. It's a bad one. Oh, that's hateful. You have haters. (laughs) You've made it. Girl. There's some old fat dude in Wisconsin who's probably obsessed with you. I mean, all you need now is a stalker. Honestly, I really feel like Gen Z really be like that, though. Oh, no, they are. <laughs> yeah, I found that highly amusing. <laughs> Immediately being like, like, it's just like, you know that it is racist if she's scary space, or why would you bring it up? <laughs> right. <laughs> Like so racist. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but being but then, Britney is universal. <laughs> oh my god! And the way they were like, it's so retro. I'm like, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> right, that makes me feel old. It's not retro. I mean, oh god. Like, oops, I did it again with like my first, like my first CD. Like, so that makes me feel really old. <laughs> that's the second. Right, the one. second one. One with the like beads. 
Whatever one had like the beads. That was album two. Yes. Yeah, that's my, that was my first, first like physical hit, CD. Yep. Hit me, baby, one more time was my first physical CD, and nice. I still have it. My mom has like all my old CDs, and it's like so messed up, like the cover falling off and everything. But oh yeah, it. all my covers it, fell it, off. Yeah. I was so bad with that shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess we're I guess we're retro now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna move on over to you know this is certainly not a microaggression. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, oh, the pen, to the pen 15 spice girl situation which not is not halloween but is a school project that they all have to videotape together which is equally like oh, triggering oh, you know oh, group project oh. shit on its own it's just <laughs> you know so they're doing a spice girls for their health project i think they kind of explain it so probably good to just get started so here we go bitchy girl becca's in the mix for this one she's definitely oh. one of the mean girls <laughs> who recurs. Do you like have more food? No, that's not possible. Uh, can I check the fridge? Actually, my brother ate everything we have, so like there's nothing in there. Literally, there's just to the right. Ooh, why is there a fish head in here? What was it closing? Maya, have you any ham? <laughs> <laughs> No. Do you want me to buy some? Oh, it's like it's like an inside joke. Yeah. Yes. Never mind. I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> Should we like start the project or? Yeah. Like, sorry. Okay. Get the clothes. So, um, if you want to choose like Spice Girl outfits, to oh spice yeah, girls. let's just pick from what Connie and I brought. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So just to go over it, you guys. So, we're the old Spice Girls, and we like can't sing or dance because we have osteoporosis. So we need milk so that we and then we drink it and we get wrong and then we'd fight dance okay i'm baby i'm posh i want to be posh <laughs> baby ginger i'm sporty then okay i'm baby stevie's ginger anna's sporty and connie's posh wait i call posh my name is posh and i go to chanel but you <laughs> look the most like scary do you have like a sporty outfit or which she doesn't by the way well, yeah, no, no they are. really they really are just like oh but you you aren't white they force that yeah <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I thought that that was like obviously the setup, but also the fact that she was like clearly these white kids are gonna like think that was in my fridge is gross. Like that moment was like also notable. I feel like. Um, yeah. Like just the culture difference and little white girls not having any idea how messed up that is yeah. also if someone tells you that they don't have any food don't go into the refrigerator who raised them i know right Ugh, God. as hell but yeah so now we're gonna go into them actually doing this spice girls routine and things to just get really racist really quickly look no my no, test, my face. Face. guys did you see that guys, my face. guys you all that face. literally touched look, my face okay, okay. well touch you my face. guys guys stop we're about to record so we have the definition in the dance but who's gonna bring us milk I said not it before all of you. I'll do it. No, it's funny if Maya plays a servant for you. Yeah. yeah. Wait, why do I have to be the servant? Because you're like different from us. Like, so we're the Spice Girls and you're the servant because you're like Chan. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Okay, that's sense. funny. <laughs> so, like hunch over more. Yeah, like you're old. Like bend. You gotta go lower. Like, like lower. Hunch over. Like this. Is that funny? Yeah. Who <laughs> wants some milk? <laughs> Guido, Guido, bring me some milk. Who's Guido? What's Guido? Maya's Guido the gardener because he's Mexican and she's tan. <laughs> 
racism that have clearly like you know they've been raised around you know it's just Mm -hmm. like because you're tan and like you know mexicans and it's just like you know this is set in 2000 and it's like yeah it just sounds like you just picked up on whatever little racism was like in your house you know exactly and like one thing i realized too it felt so like growing because that stuff like that happened to me all the time when i was a kid and it's interesting too because looking back on it the things that were said were so stupid and didn't make right but like just the way that when you grow up with white people as a white person like that's what you're used to so you see one person that doesn't look like you like they were doing and relate you to all the other people of color in the world no matter (laughs) how light dark what your features are it's just very kids are very strange (laughs) yeah it's like she's somehow both scary spice and mexican and like (laughs) right also okay for the record scary spice was the baddest bitch okay just so we are all clear here also in that whole that little scene maya had the best outfit out of all she did that is so true Um, shout out to that yeah there's a big possibility that maya and that outfit will be on the cover of this episode and if it is i'll keep this in and say check that out yeah (laughs) I wanted to wear, you know what I mean? Yeah. A cool, like showing off my stomach, the leopard on leopard. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, there is like this conversation that I think is worth watching where basically they're at dinner with Yuki, the mom, and Shuji and his friend who's black, and mm-hmm. they tell the story of like what happened, and they're all like, Well, that's racist. And it's just, yeah, it's interesting to see them like actually having it pointed out to them because like it's clear that Anna's like uncomfortable by what's happening, but she doesn't seem to know why she's uncomfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. she's just kind of like, I don't think this is good, but we're just gonna keep keeping on. It was kind of like her vibe during that scene. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's like what you can do when you're a white person. Like you don't necessarily have to pay attention or care. Yep. You know? And then you know how she goes home and goes on ask jeeves <laughs> that ruined me like so whatever funny. happened to ask jeeves by the way oh my god right i think it's i don't think it's a thing anymore it's i i think it i don't know i don't know but i remember ask jeeves yeah yeah just took took everything but you know and she becomes this like woke social justice warrior and does it like 
so wrong so wrong yeah yeah unfortunately we don't have time to watch it but yeah you should that episode is, this episode is just really good and whole and obviously i always advocate that you watch in full everything we talk about but yes. like for sure like it it's it's hilarious and mm -hmm. like so well intentioned but misguided it's just <laughs> There was a part in that too that like really broke my heart. Maya was like standing in the mirror, like staring at herself. And like, she says, hey, white lady, <laughs> which is hilarious. But like, she's looking at, you know, her her features right and, this, and then like it's like a little montage of her like screaming at herself in the mirror and yeah just the whole the whole way that they did that whole scene like broke my heart because i feel like i'd been there so many times like just wanting to be like everybody else because i thought it would be easier you know totally so absolutely such um, such a good episode such a good episode so we'll just watch mm -hmm. one more scene from this episode and then we'll move on to well we're gonna continue maya's journey after this so actually like yeah keep on moving on with maya for now so yeah so they're at dinner now and they're recounting what happened to them Five, Five, six, seven, eight, one. <laughs> and then it's like yeah like this, this. At the end. yeah but it was like sometimes i went like, like this, this. but it was it was so funny <laughs> and we filmed it on and it was like cv jessica connie. connie yeah oh my god actually mine did this really funny character no, for I'm that i'm not doing it it was so funny all right i want to see it okay i'll do it okay so it's really funny but it was like, like they made me do it and i like didn't know what i was i don't know i'll do it okay it like a good dog. You want the milk? Well, you. I make the cat. Oh it's like. Okay, racist. It's not racist. They were like joking. I don't know. Wait, did did you just make fun of Mexicans? I wasn't. I didn't say I was Mexican. Like they told me I was, and it was like a joke. So, wait, wait, wait. So in this video project, you play a servant. And you're serving all your white friends. Mm -hmm. And she put a blanket over Oji-chan's shrine. You don't mess with Oji-chan's shrine. I didn't. I just didn't oh want to scare them. Why are you so ashamed of being Japanese? I'm not. I'm like barely Japanese and I'm cool with it. Guido's fucked up too. Yamanasai Shuji. Mom, what? Anna, you're more fucked up for making her do that. Huh. Good job, racists. <laughs> The way he said that, it's just like, that's so how like middle schoolers talk. It's so funny. But yeah, it really feels so real because it's like, no, we don't get taught about racism anymore. We're literally having a like national conversation about how we should and a bunch of people are pushing back against it. But like, <laughs> we don't get taught about racism growing up. So like the fact that like that got pointed out to them, it's like no wonder that Anna then goes home and like, you know, Googles, am I racist? <laughs> like, <laughs> And he just goes down the wormhole and like yep. realizes how privilege she is and then obviously you know goes about it in the wrong way but yes and that's just the beginning of like what we're gonna talk about for the rest of maya's journey which is just maya you know accepting the fact that she is japanese and it's an essential part of her identity and like you know she's being raised by a japanese immigrant like obviously mm -hmm. like who speaks japanese in the house and shuji mm -hmm. speaks japanese because he also was born in japan mm -hmm. and even right there like she covered up her grandfather's shrine
design. Like she didn't want them in the fridge. Like she was like very much trying to make her her house seem as like white almost as possible. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. just doesn't want the traces of like yeah, Japanese yeah. heritage. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yep. I just love how we were saying it before. Shuji just kind of like points it out. He's like he like names it, and mm -hmm. it's probably easier for him because he's you know he's full Japanese and he has that a, a stronger connection to it because he actually is fluent in Japanese whereas like right. Maya isn't and that's going to come up as we continue on mm -hmm. and so yeah I mean like we were like we were saying when we watched the, the scene of Yuki like just being stuck between the two places it's like you're when you're a middle school girl it's very hard to, to yeah that. yeah when you're a middle school girl you literally just want to be like everybody else there's maybe I don't know three or four girls in your grade who everyone's obsessed with and wants to mm -hmm. be like and, and that's mm -hmm who you're supposed to be like and they t if they tell you to put on a show you put on a show I don't know I, I I do feel like the the need to like show out and like put on a character is very real for like mixed people or any people of color when you're a kid in a all-white space like totally. the need to or want to entertain or just be a part of it it's like whatever way I can be a part of this I'll do it <laughs> yeah so the thing that does come out of this that whole plot line with like anna very misguided attempts at making things better then leading to her basically just being racist and like shuji basically it's like you have to beat up anna and anyway after <laughs> all of that happens at the end of the episode maya like tries to speak japanese with him and he like makes fun of her that her accent is awful but it's like a little baby step of her like you know sort of starting to accept things so mm. i find that moment whole some. and then when Anna stays at her house in season one she kind of like is trying to learn more about Maya's Japanese heritage and like seems more interested in it than Maya usually does and so Maya's kind of like intimidated by that yeah. um, mm -hmm. um, that is an <laughs> interesting interesting bit I don't know Maya also too like is so extra and like <laughs> just her person it's I love how the show and this isn't necessarily about being biracial but like no, I okay. love how the show positions them as like two very different types of middle school girls. Yes. Like totally. there's Anna who's like very, you know, good natured and well-meaning and like, you know, she, you can tell that she's a little more careful with people. And then like Maya's just super sensitive, like, you know, probably, I mean, I remember she got, she gets her period first and yes. like, she's just like super hormonal. But I think that that goes back to like the way that Anna was allowed to take up space and in, in ways that Maya wasn't like Maya acts out probably because she's not getting the same type of attention or isn't being looked at like Maya so she's like okay let again let me turn it up let me let me put on a show so right. I'm seen yeah no that that totally happens there's definitely times when like all the white girls are like flocking around Anna like the right popular girls or whatever yes. and they're they're not necessarily flocking around Maya so no Nope. definitely a thing oh yeah so there's another moment in season two they have to do this assignment that is like such a fucked up this shit should not be an assignment assignment where they have to take they have to bring in what they would take with them if they were picked up by nazis in the holocaust and i'm like what okay the funniest thing is that like the Becca, who is jewish uses it as a segue to remind people to rsvp to her bat mitzvah and yeah um 
which is I like wild. That, <laughs> that is just honestly like how oh god the writer so then, man. So then Maya comes home from school and she's like, "What should I bring with me to her mom?" And her mom's like, "Well, actually, if we had been alive during that time, we would have probably been in internment camps." And she's like trying to teach her daughter about like the Japanese internment camps in yeah. World War Two. And Maya's just trying to figure out what she's gonna wear to the bat mitzvah. The whole conversation. <laughs> and so, oh man, I got it. Oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. But it's just like sad because it's like this moment where like Yuki's really trying to like get through to her and like have her like be appreciative of like the struggle that she like comes mm-hmm. from, you know? Mm-hmm. And like she's just like totally like in her middle school girl brain, just cares about looking cute at the bottom of the like. And so then the, the the final like sequence that I really wanted us to talk about happens in the tenth episode of the second season when a family member named Ume is visiting from Japan and she's like a little bit younger and basically it really just like shows the difference between Shuji and Maya because when she's there everyone who can speak Japanese like Shuji and Yuki are speaking it with her and meanwhile like Maya's dad's like oh it's all going over my head and like Maya's like oh no I understand it I know what's happening even though she's like she totally doesn't and so she totally wants like she wants both things at the same time you know like she wants to look as like white as Anna most of the time but then once she's with just of her family and everyone else is speaking Japanese suddenly she wants to yep. be as Japanese as possible and so yeah she's just you know like we were saying constantly stuck between the two cultures and so then Anna comes over and Maya tries to like translate between the two of them and like obviously Maya Maya can like barely speak Japanese. So this doesn't really go very well. And they're mm-hmm. talking about how they're going to bring her to school with them the next day. And they're like, she's going to get like roasted. Like they're like very concerned. They're like scared. And then they get there and everyone like thinks she's adorable and they crowd around her. And it's like, oh no, we're going full fetishy with this one, actually. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, oh wow, they really love Ume. And they're like, okay, unexpected, unexpected. And so like at one point during the day, somebody's like, your hair is so pretty, so black. And Maya literally said, my hair has always been black <laughs> and then they ask Maya can you speak Japanese and she you know again well, like feels like she wants to be able to say like yes I can you know right. um, and it's extremely fetishizing and exoticizing like it's mm-hmm. yeah but basically to preface the next scene that we're going to watch Maya and Anna basically invite everyone over to hang it because they all want to hang out with Ume and they're like okay let's play DDR this cool Japanese video game because this is early enough that like it's not mainstream yet <laughs> which is so right. funny to me right it, that is that's interesting too because like, I, I think I've spent a lot of time talking about like how white people make you feel about being mixed but like the way that black people have made me feel about being mixed too is not not as quote-unquote violent right but like just as upsetting and uncomfortable and you know feeling like an outcast because you know I didn't grow up with black people because you know I might not season my chicken the same way I do everybody I do I season my chicken but you know what I mean I'm just like (laughs) like in general like like things that I may or may not have missed out on growing up around white people and then you know being made to feel like I'm not black enough right yeah, not only I, I've felt like I'm not black enough around white people, which I'm like, what world am I living in? But yeah, just being like very firmly in the middle and then having someone who comes in is like, oh, I'm like the perfect, you know, the perfect example of what it is to be Japanese. So, right. you know, and now everyone's obsessed with me, like or obsessed with this person who is all the things that I hate the most about myself is like right. very I'm looking forward to seeing the clip. 
<laughs> yep, 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 yep. It's, it, it just, it, it's also like one of those things where like, once people are in your space, it like kind of tell, you can't hide certain things about yourself anymore. And I feel like right. we, we talk about that. So, okay, so full disclosure to the listeners, this season is recorded very out of order. So we already recorded episode four and we talked about this a little bit there too. So mm. look forward to that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's ready. So you guys I don't think you guys need to stomp so hard. It only takes a light touch. Anna was stomping really hard. Maya, I was doing the guy. Okay, head count on hot dogs. Dad, get out, please. I'll make the full pack. Go. That's your dad? He's not Japanese, though. Oh, God. Yeah, he's white. Weird. You look full. No, I don't. Umi! Hi! Oh, my God, My bro! What up? Get off. Ow, don't move my arm like that, you psycho. Itachi no Pinko Jimpo. Whoa, Suji, your Japanese is really good. Suji, you and Umi actually look more related than you and Maya. Yeah, that's because me and Maya are half siblings. Unfortunately, she got the bad half. Oh, really? Yeah. Is white the bad half? <laughs> yeah. I wish you had more white in you. You look way better. Ooh. I actually think, Suji, that you're very, very attractive the way you are. <laughs> Wait. Hold on. So the hot dog guy isn't your dad? No. Um, my birth dad lives in Japan. Yeah, but that's still our dad. That's like... Yeah. He's your dad. I know. That's why you and Ume have such exotic names. I've always wanted my name to be Yolanda. Oh, Yeah, girl, that's why no. I can speak Japanese fluently, and Maya can barely say a sentence. That's... You're lying. I speak full Japanese. Tell them. No, you don't. Are you seeing this? Holy shit. Can, we, can I play with you? You're like perfect. That's enough. My turn. Maya, don't move her arm like that. I didn't move her arm. I like touched her like you touched my arm. Now she's crying. Great job, idiot. Sorry. So much. So much. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, you know, like everything is is revealed, you know? Like it's like the fact that she has a white dad, the fact that Shuji can very clearly speak more Japanese than her, and like them talking mm -hmm. about like the fact that like, ugh, just like them talking about how Maya looks full Japanese and then her saying the thing about like how he'd look better if he was half white. I'm just like, oh God. The whole thing is a mess. Scene is a mess. Well, and and two, like I don't know, seeing Shuji make fun of Maya for not being Japanese enough. Yes, and then the white girls for you know before they were making fun of Maya for not being white enough, but now they also want her to be more Japanese. It's just like she can't win. <laughs> no, no, and she can't win. Meanwhile, you know, like Umi is just like cute and everyone thinks she's cute and like, oh my God, mm -hmm. she can do DDR perfectly because, you know, the Japanese have probably had DDR for like years longer than the U.S. <laughs> has yet. Right, and, you right. know, and like, so they're all just like watching her like mm -hmm. and touching and her aw. hair and yeah. like, oh, so my bad. Name is Yolanda, like, get out of oh, here, girl. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> And so then there's just like one more scene that I wanted us to watch that is basically it's really sad, but it's like Maya sort of like actually speaking 
like putting words to the feelings that she's clearly having about this whole situation. Um, mm. Hug. See, she doesn't even want to touch me. She like thinks I'm disgusting. No, the hugger stuck when I know. Hugger. Like if you think I'm disgusting and you don't like me, you can leave. Like honestly, kaite. Did you just call me stupid? She just called me stupid. You think I'm stupid? Fuck you. Sorry, like, fuck you. Honestly, everyone thinks she's perfect. You're so much better than me, okay? You win. Maya, she's a year younger than us, so chill. Why is everyone on Ume's side? Why is being Japanese special on bad on me? Why? Oh my God, I'm getting your mom. I'm getting your mom, Maya. <laughs> She says in Japanese that What's she hates everyone on? fetishizing her, basically. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Oh my god, I've never seen that before. I know, I'm sorry. I didn't, yeah. I, I only watched it, like, for this podcast. I was like, I wanted to see if there was anything in the, the episodes that I hadn't watched. Um, and there was. There's gold mines. <laughs> <laughs> Good god, that was, um, wow. <laughs> They really killed it with the show. Like, it's yeah. just like so many of the like extreme discomforts and awkward moments of growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why is being Japanese cool on her and not on me? Like, that just, yeah. I've been uh, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she does mm -hmm. end up making up with her cousin, which is really cute. And her cousin is crying because she's been like just deeply uncomfortable with everyone like just touching mm -hmm. her and being around her and like they're all speaking a language she can't you know be understands exactly mm -hmm. so yeah it's like just two different ways that white people react to a person of color that are that's just bad and uncomfortable but in different ways and then exactly. they end up almost like being pitted against each other in in that dichotomy like mm -hmm. exactly um, so yeah it's good that they make up because it is good that the white shitty people win i know you can't i don't know yeah the whole that whole scene was just very intense also they they had to hit us with the freaking uh violin in the back too oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> also anna just being like i'm getting your mom she doesn't know what to do she's like i'm, I'm getting your mom <laughs> oh my god maya <laughs> uh but yeah that's kind of all we're gonna talk about with maya so if there's anything else, any other final thoughts we have about her before we move on to olivia baker um, my namesake <laughs> yeah okay so i would say that her her journey is kind of the fact that she's basically cut off from black culture for the beginning of her life i uh -huh. the character her dad just seems to like sort of be like oh i can have my kids grow up like in privilege and not have to deal with certain things that I had to deal with in Crenshaw. Like, this is great. And it's like, right. okay, sure. But like, <laughs> you should also like, you know, want to share your culture and identity with them. And, and what ends up happening is that she ends up exploring that culture and identity through activism, I feel like. And 
I think that it makes sense because she's not only contending with, you know, with this being black in a very like white privileged world. It's like the privileged part of that is like she's also very much knows that like because of her economic position, mm-hmm. that she has a high powered white mom who ends up becoming the DA. Like she knows that her position is much higher than most other, you know, people who start out black in this country and she can see that because her boyfriend lives in Crenshaw where like she can see plenty of people who have a shittier position in life than her to start out with and it makes just makes sense to me that like she would end up sort of like wanting to give voice to others who are less privileged than herself in like a way to identify with her own culture I mean and there is something to be said for being light-skinned too so like you know I I feel like I sometimes take that role on too, because I mean, I didn't grow up with money. I did grow up around white people, but I did not grow up with money. Right. Uh, had a single mom, but like, I do feel, <laughs> and people hate when I say this, sometimes I'm like a digestible black person, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't get followed in stores. I've never been pulled over. Like I do feel, I- I'm sure that if I was, that would be a whole different story. Oh probably. yeah. Yeah. But there are just like little things that I don't necessarily experience that my darker skin friends do yeah um kind of how ume was being like praised for being you know japanese like there are situations where i feel like i'm being praised for being lighter and having you know softer hair you know like i don't have a lot of kink or nappiness to my hair so it is i don't know i, I feel like olivia baker and i are similar in the way that we're like okay let's use this light skin privilege for good <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. Uh Totally. So I guess like first we have to talk about is the relationship that the Baker family has to Billy's dad and Mm -hmm. how Olivia and Jordan's mixed race family has everything to do with that relationship. So like Olivia and Jordan discover early in season one that their grandfather actually lives in Crenshaw, even though they have barely ever met him. And they find out their dad has been like making payments to him for like 17 years. Uh, Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they go and find him in Crenshaw and they meet him for the first time and they're like he's been paying you but you haven't seen him and he's like no i haven't seen him since he married laura so it's very clear from the get-go that the reason that grandpa willie has not been in regular touch with the baker family is because billy chose to to marry laura a white woman and so i figured we would watch a clip where billy comes to the baker house and makes it very clear how he feels about that marriage because i think that it really yeah says a lot about the environment that they (laughs) sure does and yeah previously on all america previously on all america yeah right Uh, I love that show, though. You got me into that show. Yeah, Dondre got me into it, so it's just a whole chain. So good. It is really good. And they have, like, a spinoff coming now, so... Oh, yeah, with uh, Jordan's not baby mama, but baby mama. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And she's going to be playing tennis at an HBCU. Hot. Did yeah. she have the baby? Did she have the baby? Yes. Yeah. They they had gave her away for like adoption or or whatever. Her oh, and I don't remember what the gender was. <laughs> Interesting. Hope you don't mind me crashing your party like this. <clears throat> Family. So you bought a new house? Uh no, we've been here for a while now. Mm. What was wrong with the old one? Not big enough for you. Can't wait to see the next one. <laughs> Your father was just admiring our house. I was. Impressive. You really live in the OJ life now, aren't you, son? Mm. 
You just can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> I'm gonna have to get up out of here. Hey, 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 Come hey. Come on, man. I, Let's go. I just got here. Let's go. So I guess family isn't always welcome. It's a private party. Yo, why are you kicking him okay. out? Spencer. You Spencer misguidedly thinking he has part a stake in this conversation. <laughs> You know, Spencer. Come on. Main character energy, as per usual. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's it's very clear that like, due to Billy being, I mean, and due to Willie, that's really, re like, that's annoying, actually. Like, the dad's name is Willie and the, and the son's name is Billy. I'm just realizing this. Willie um, Jr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where this quote is from, but I wrote down the quote that clearly Willie said. He said, she ain't one of us, son. And so... Like, I mean, and she's not right, but like, sure. but you know, you're going into your son's house, and that's his wife. Like, that's the mother of your grandchildren. Have a little. That's respect. what I'm saying. Like, that shit has failed. Like, there are grandchildren involved. Like, she, whether or not you like it, like, she is the mother of your black grandchildren. So yeah, very true. <laughs> very true. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of a contention. And so because of that contention, when Olivia's twin Jordan begins connecting with his grandfather, he goes as far as to hide it from his dad because he's like, they're, they're not going to approve of this. The one Jordan clip we're going to watch is Jordan kind of explaining to his dad why he can't cut Grandpa Willie out of his life because like he feels like he needs that connection to like... Yeah. Like roots um which is valid yep exactly it's his Previously, own, you know his own relationship although if anybody came from my mother like that oh yeah uh, snip snip mm -mm. <laughs> yeah no i feel you i mean i guess a, obviously very different parent relationship than yours oh yeah that's <laughs> that's true he's a complicated man that often does the wrong things for the right reasons uh, a Baker man trait figuring out. I can't cut Grandpa Willie off. Okay, not the way that you want me to. And before you say anything, it's not even about the football. Okay, it's about having a connection to my roots, Dad. Look, you made a decision to cut Crenshaw out of your life because you felt it was what you needed to get your head right and survive. And I get that, okay? I do. But I feel like I need this connection to Crenshaw to get my head right. And Grandpa Willie is that connection for you. Yeah, he is. Okay. Okay. Nice little moment of understanding between father and son. <laughs> I feel like my mom always encouraged relationships with my father's family. Like, there was definitely a period of time when I was little that she wanted me to stay away from all things my father just because, you know, he was not the best person. But, like, she always wanted me to have a relationship with his sister and my Nana, his mom. So it was nice to see Billy decide that that was okay. But I was thinking, Sherry's just really the best parent ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's not doing any of these faux pas that these uh, fictional yeah. teen drama parents are doing. <laughs> so I thought that we would go to another time. And this is, like, more moving toward Olivia, you know, finding her voice through activism. She sort of fires back at Grandpa Willie when he makes more jokes about Laura Baker. And I think this is a, sort of a good introduction to our feisty Olivia Baker. <laughs> which I also think is something that her grandfather respects, which we'll get into even more. But it's become very, it's very, made very clear that Grandpa Willie, like, participated in the civil rights movement. And so, like, mm -hmm. when he sees that she is, like, kind of following in his footsteps. Hey, Dad. Hey. When did you get here? It's, it's, it's Pizza Monday. Is that a yeah. thing? Mm -hmm. No, it is not a thing. <laughs> I had a coach's meeting on this side of town. And I decided I'd grab some pizza and hang out with some of my favorite people. Speaking of my favorite people, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Son? Really? D.A. Baker. 
Congratulations, by the way. I heard good things while I was in Florida, especially the work you're doing for black folks. Not enough to get you an invite to the cookout just yet, but you know, oh God. one day. <laughs> what are you doing here, Dad? When did you get back into town? Uh, a couple days ago. He, he surprised me at practice. You know, phones work too. Um, so look, while I have you both here, is it cool if GW joins us for family dinner this week or? Yeah, that, that's fine. Great. I could get some quality time with both my grandkids. Quality time with me? Isn't it time I get to know you better too? Well, in that case, why don't we have a cookout and we can invite my mom? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I like this one. <laughs> I should go. Yeah, I actually have a. Did you, a have, you have a conference call? Oh, everybody like. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, so she really uh, fired back. <laughs> None of that. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> I would not be down for anybody disrespecting my mother either. Yeah, like, he really, like, he cannot help, like, like, like K-Dig said, he cannot help himself. It's just, yeah, and I know, like, I know for a fact that on my father's side, there was conflict because my mom was white. Like, I mm -hmm. knew for sure. But I never... I don't know. They're grownups. And I, and of course we all know grownups don't always act like grownups, but I do feel like my mom didn't show any disrespect toward my aunt or Nana and my Nana and aunt never showed disrespect toward my mom to me anyway, right. which I was happy about, but Oh yeah. Like, especially in the nineties, like, you know, white and black partner, like those, their families were not happy about that. Like that was a very real thing. Totally. But it is interesting, even living in LA, like black folks over in, in Crenshaw, like they are, they do still think like that because it's a defense mechanism, really. Totally. To protect their family from white supremacy. But again, yeah. this is failed. <laughs> this is said. They're married with children. <laughs> children are almost 18 like yeah over it <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh yeah so with all of that context in mind olivia starts to embrace her black identity through activism the first time that this happens is when they have a run-in with the cops at the yogurt shop and gentrifying uh, uh -huh. she very much has like a oh my god i'm real like she's having like her like awakening of understanding that racism is like a real thing and like yes you know she has the privilege of getting to have that later than lots of other black kids had it <laughs> I feel uh -huh. like. but when she does have that in realization she's not gonna just like sit down she's gonna like stand up and do something now right. um so she starts her podcast which i just think is really funny because there's one moment when like she like references her podcast at, around her friends and then they're all like what <laughs> like clearly none of them listen to it and she, she's like whatever and i'm like me <laughs> <laughs> i feel like all your friends listen to your podcast though they better uh, no i know i think i think my friends are probably better than hers honestly also like okay we're gonna watch a little bit of her podcast and i'm gonna say listening. that it's i think it's a little cringe but oh it's so cringe but also it's like she's just a baby you know <laughs> i guess <laughs> Okay, maybe we'll end up roasting her. I don't know. We'll, oh, yeah, let's we'll, do it. But this is this is baby Olivia Baker. Yeah. Shut up, Jordan. <laughs> Welcome to Live the Truth. I started this podcast because not enough people know what's happening outside of their own little world. And until recently, I was one of them. But that changed after the incident with Crenshaw Kathy, the owner of the now daily picketed bunch of Froyo. That's when I realized 
I was living in my Beverly Hills bubble. No matter where I go, day or night, I always feel safe because I'm cut off from the rest of the world. But there's a world out there where people aren't so lucky. A world where you can't barbecue while black, sell cigarettes while black, buy Mentos while black, mow your neighbor's lawn while black. He was 12, by the way. Get, get on an elevator while black, swim in your pool while black, study in your college dorm while black, or sit on your couch in pajamas eating ice cream in your own damn home while black. You want me to stop? Well, I want these to stop. This world is not okay. And it's a lot closer than you think. We need to be aware of the world outside of our bubble. All right. It really does feel like what you said with like feeling like she's like somehow like a more palatable like black person to be like mm -hmm. the voice to some mm -hmm. people. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't, who else is going to listen to this goddamn podcast privileged people? Because like the way that she's, if you, if you like people who like have been dealing with oppression their whole life are going to be like, yeah, duh. And like, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting too. Cause I feel like it's like who who is that for <laughs> like, who's listening who's what audience is she trying to reach <laughs> who's she trying to convince yeah exactly it's it's it, yeah but you know i i feel like as like a as a teenage as you know we're, we're talking about a teenage character who's supposed to be like a like you know a zoomer i totally see it <laughs> like i totally feel this would be the reaction and like the yeah. way to get express the feelings yes <laughs> But it's not the only way. So at the beginning of season three, we find out that Olivia is now the president of the Black Student Caucus at Beverly Hills High School, which I'm kind of surprised exists. But, you know. Um, what, and, for like the four Black people who go there. <laughs> <laughs> and she she does the Black Lives Matter, like they do the like mural in the hallway kind mm -hmm. of thing where it just says Black Lives Matter in like yellow letters or whatever. Yep. And I'm like, okay, girl, yeah, this is the Beverly Hills <laughs> activism. She talks about how the BLM demonstrations happened, like happening, you know, because happens kind of in real time. So they they referred to it as if like 2020, like had just happened, you know, like the right. summer of 2020. And they're like, you know, I would like all summer, she spent her whole summer working on her podcast and being knee deep in like the demonstrations. That's what we're supposed to believe. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's later referenced that Olivia on her podcast fans put Crenshaw Kathy out of business. So somebody's listening to her podcast. Hey. Or, yeah, in this universe, she has like influence. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> That's the time when Grandpa Willie says, and here I thought the long tradition of Baker radicals was ending with me. So that's when you start to find out that <laughs> Grandpa Willie has uh, some yes. history there. And so I think that she kind of is just like living in her in her podcast world. And then she has her own run-in with the cops in the middle of season three. And I feel like that is when she like fully understands her privilege. And so mm -hmm. because not only is she, you know, the daughter of a white woman, she's the daughter of a, D a white DA. And wow. um, so that comes into play. Her addiction also comes into play here because mm -hmm. at this point she has fallen off the wagon as far as the fact that even though she was addicted to drugs, she's like started drinking and like clearly like girl, if you're if you're like <laughs> treating alcohol the way you were your drugs, you're addicted 
kicked into both like right right <laughs> and so you find out also that she she like drank and is driving when they she gets pulled over yeah and the other thing is that she's in the car with spencer who is a black dark-skinned black man <laughs> and that's how the cops see him they don't see him as a child even though he is a teenager nope. like so i've never been more certain about my feelings for you I also, love you too. Very Spencer. sad this happens when they're trying to have like their romantic moment. It's like no right. the real the real world is here to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Liv. Liv. <gasps> are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, are you okay? I think so. No, 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 no. Oh my god, you have to switch seats with me before the cops come. What? Please, Spencer, you have to switch seats with me. I'm not gonna pass the sobriety test. What do you mean you're not gonna pass the sobriety Ooh, test? Spencer, I know you have a lot of questions, like, but we don't have time right now. Wait, 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 stop, stop. You telling me you're drunk right now? Ooh. Olivia! Look, I'm she just trying to understand, okay? A little bit of a mess. What is that, Mark? How much have you had tonight? Look. If you say that you were driving, it's no big deal. It okay? is a big deal. He is a black man. You're drinking, and please, Hunter, for me, please. Oh God. Everything okay here? Yes, sir. I'm Officer McCarthy. Officer Lee's in the car. Do you need medical assistance, no, sir? Who's the car registered to? Uh, uh, my parents. The registration's in the glove box. No, don't move. I'll let you know what we need and when we need it. Oh. Tell me about the accident. Who was driving? You or Mr. James? Is <sighs> that a difficult question? No, sir. Officer, this car is registered to D.A. Baker. Yeah, that's my mom. You should give her a call so she doesn't worry. In the meantime, let's see if we can get you a tow. Yeah, everything shifted real quick the second they figured out who her mom was. Wait, okay, so... Okay, this is crazy. Okay, so remember I dated Malik in, in oh, yes. Yes. college, right? Both of his parents were Boston cops. Yes, I think so. I remember, before, yeah. Yes, so I remember once we were driving home late to the Cape from Boston and he got pulled over and he was very, very nervous. But the minute he told them it was parents where we were fine, mm-hmm. which is like very, yeah, interesting. Like a black man being able to use, and we all know that doesn't always happen, right? No, but like no. his, it was a state trooper who pulled us over and they just happened to know officer, right? His father. So we were fine. Yeah. Yeah. But and it yeah. does not always go that way. It actually almost never goes that way. <laughs> exactly. And obviously there's the extra drama of them figuring out whether or not they're going to lie about who was like driving, but just the way that that cop was talking to them, like the yeah. tone itself completely changed when mm-hmm. he found out who, that DA Baker was her mom. Her mom. Mm-hmm. And suddenly she became someone who like, you should call your mom so that she doesn't worry about you and we should get you a tow. Like suddenly all of those things were the next steps that they were. Not who was driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it also made me mad at her that she wanted Spencer to take the rap for that. Because again, no. like going back to her digestible blackness, like mm-hmm. also too, I would go on his record. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I did not like, I hated that scene. I hated that. Was, that was definitely a situation where her addiction has like taken over and it's total addict behavior where it's like I have to do whatever I have to do to like keep this and like I think the show does a good job of not letting her like get away with that like she tries to 
get Fenther to help her, like either later that episode or the next episode. And he's like, no, you have to do this on your own. Like, I can't, I can't save you. Like, because mm-hmm. he has a problem with trying to save people. And so they do eventually get together, but like, it's a longer journey because of this. And so she I think that that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then basically we're going to talk about this somewhat, but not completely because this is a plot line that kind of overlaps with the episode that I'm doing of Dondre, where we do... We talk about the all-American football strike that happens in relation to this police brutality. Mm-hmm. Basically, a fictional case of police brutality happens in Crenshaw. There's a woman named Tamika Pratt who is killed by the cops, and she's from Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. And so all of the characters become involved in, you know, the fight for justice for Tamika. And basically, it's one of those situations where the cops haven't released the body cam footage yet. Everyone's asking for the body cam footage to be released. Very typical thing that happens in these situations. And... Olivia steals the footage off of her mom's computer and leaks it on her podcast. So Laura, like, finds this out when the body cam footage, like, is on the news and, like, it's been leaked. And she's like, how did this happen? And then, like, Olivia, like, pops out and is like, I gave it to them. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about specifically, like, D.A. Baker, like... You know, because that's what she in this situation, she's D.A. Baker like she she doesn't understand why Olivia doesn't believe in the system and therefore felt the need to step in. Like she feels like because she's her mom, like there's a certain amount of trust there. But it's like, no, the system itself is the problem. But there is a really good line in here where Olivia definitely like sort of differentiates herself and her and her dad from her mom you know like when we're talking about police brutality specifically this is going to be our final olivia baker clip because they're accusing us of a cover-up just put it out olivia please tim i didn't read that text correctly did you release that footage yes do you realize what you just did how serious this is you have compromised your mother where the hell have you been sorry I, i got caught up i asked you a question young lady don't bother There is nothing she can say that can fix any of this right now. I had to do something because the cops who murdered Tamika shouldn't be walking around free. The video proves that. I mean, the question is, why haven't you indicted them yet, Mom? Did it ever occur to you that there are things going on here that you don't understand? Well, I know an excuse when I hear one. Hey. You know what? You have crossed one line too many, young lady. You are grounded. No phone, no podcast, no car. I don't even want to see you breathing outside this house unless it's in school. Apologize to your mother. I can't do that. Our lives are on the line, Dad. Silence isn't an option anymore. She definitely sees the like limits of her mom's position and it's like, I'm not going to play by the rules. And it's different for me than it is for you, mom, because I have like a physical stake in this. And Mm. I thought that seemed like this is definitely like a defining moment in their relationship and they get past it. But like, it's very real like thing, like same thing with like that, that Ginny and Georgia scene where like Georgia is able to flirt with the cop. Like, it's like, this is, this is just like the difference Mm -hmm. between you and your daughter that is always going to be there yeah i've had those hard conversations with my mom like she was not always as aware as she is now i mean summer of 2020 we really saw white people for who they are you know yeah figuring out where they stand and i'm very happy that my mom educates herself and seeks out information but it is true like they just don't get it i mean she doesn't understand Ooh, 
I got a snow squall warning. Oh god, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay, LA. I know. <laughs> not, not a problem you're dealing with. <laughs> no. But yeah, no. I mean white white moms, man. <laughs> yep. They are they are quite the I don't even know. <laughs> Yes, they're their own breed, for sure. And so the conclusion of that plot line does, so we're going to talk a little bit about that more, like I was saying, in because basically Olivia gets grounded and like Spencer kind of picks up the baton of that fight, and me and Dondre go deep into that fight, so that Tamika Pratt to be continued later this season on the podcast. Um, (laughs) But in the conclusion of the plot line with her mom, Laura does resign in the end, and she says, I don't want to be part of a system that uses a team teenage girl's pain is leveraged to protect murderous cops because basically they end up trying to like get olivia in trouble like to like that's part of the whole thing so that's a good moment i I think it's cool they had her quit tbh because it's after she talks to grace james and grace james is kind of like explaining to her that like it's not about her it's about the whole system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she takes that to heart and quits so like i'm here for it and yeah and so then olivia as far as we've seen you know like right now uh, we're it's february 2020 and they're about to come back with the second half of season four so where we're at in the beginning of season four olivia is in her time capsule she said i hope to make the world a better place and i feel like that's kind of where she is right now so good for her and i hope continues doing the lord's work exactly (laughs) and she's definitely doing better as far as her addiction goes and her and spencer's relationship is thriving so i have not watched that far so i'm happy yeah no yeah definitely definitely worth watching when you get around to it but yeah so we're gonna sort of conclude by talking about jenny miller and i thought we'd conclude with her because i think that she has the most explicitly like i'm talking to you about what it's like to be a mixed race girl yes like (laughs) plot line and so we're gonna gonna really nail it on the head at the end here Uh, love it to begin with so as we've seen in some of the previous scenes we watched jenny gets clocked into this friend group of like mostly white people i think one of her friends might be asian I feel like one of them might be. And then there's Hunter, who is mixed race as well. I can't. Yes, one of them is. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's very much like the cult, the predominant culture is like a bunch of white girls and, and white guys too and so this is when they're at a party and the conversation starts because somebody makes kind of like an off-color remark to her and mm-hmm. it starts a conversation between hunter and Ginny about being mixed race yeah there's a few we're gonna watch a couple of them between the two of them and things really escalate by the end yeah yeah the show is very gen z though because a lot of the conversations they're having probably would not have happened when we were in high school if absolutely oh absolutely not yeah and you know it's cool it's cool to see things evolve and such but yeah no no one was having like open conversations about race and the teen dramas of our youth Right, exactly. Birthday girl looking forward with that new hair. Oh, thank you. I like Ruby better this way. Only you had an ass, you'd be perfect. It's kind of weird that you don't. But... <gasps> Excuse me? Dude. Um. Just Christ, man. Huh. Dang it. <laughs> so annoying. All right, where's your partner go? I'm right here. <laughs> I'm so sorry about Brody. I know he's my friend and all, but honestly, I don't even think he knows I'm Taiwanese. <laughs> like, I'm just all of Asia to that guy. Wow. Thailand, Japan. <laughs> no, I'm, new I'm black. It depends on who you ask and what <laughs> song is playing. Yeah, no, I, I'm not Taiwanese to Asian folks. No, 
then I'm white. Yeah, I love it when they piece it all together and get really gross and excited. Yeah. Like, what are you? <laughs> what are you? I have no freaking clue. I know what you are. Oh, God. You're beautiful. Oh. <laughs> she literally starts laughing at him. Like, bro, you need I'm to find sorry. a new angle. Sorry, that was sweet. Um, Yeah, uh -huh. no, do it again. I'll be better this time. I don't. Do they say anything else about race? Or did I just cut this off too, too late? <laughs> cut it off way too late. <laughs> All right. I don't like him. I think that his experiences are valid, but I don't like him. No, he's, he's way too cringe for me. I see. Too I want cringe. the bad boy that's going to crawl through my window. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same page on that one <laughs> but that was like a really like like oh my god the thing that brody said in the first place was just like so fucking shitty like him liking her hair straightened better it's like first of all stop i stop heard that hair. i heard that quite a few times in high school from different people when i would straighten my hair i'm not surprised to hear that it's so messed <laughs> up and it's so funny too because as an adult i don't straighten my hair anymore because i'm like right. mm, i don't need to and like even look i wish y'all could see the curl pattern today it's just whew, thank god <laughs> sherry never let me get a perm I, I feel like i keep shouting my mom out but like it's true you know like it's she true. Never let me relax my hair i wanted so badly to have it like permanently straightened and she said absolutely not she's like when you're not under my roof maybe you can choose that for yourself she's like but no you're not doing that to yourself yes. so happy she didn't let me because i love my hair now but yeah i thought they did a really good job of like showing how like you know like especially the thing that hunter said about like taiwanese people being like you're white i've certainly gotten that from black people before right and i'm like where <laughs> yeah, you're like okay well will will white people stop treating me like i'm black then because like... exactly because they don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so this moment inspires Ginny. So they have an essay contest that they have to do. And Ginny mm -hmm. essentially inspired by also her, her dad visiting, you know, fine yes. ass Zion visiting, right? Ooh. Like <laughs> past and present, as you said before. And he takes her to a poetry reading because he's, you know, like hip artistic dad. And she gets inspired to basically write a poem about being, it's about, just, I think the, the, the prompt is something about where you most belong. And she ends up sort of like writing about like not belonging mm -hmm. in a poem form and so i just think it's important because like we're gonna see who wins the essay contest and mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah there are yeah i i do think that she she really like kills it like she she's like this this white teacher is like uh what did i do to deserve this girl in my class because she's just like comes and like shows his ass up like every day <laughs> preach all right and so we start with hunter doing his like you know perfect little cookie cutter essay my guitar. <laughs> next up jenny miller growing up i thought people were born with their heads cocked because that's how they've always looked at me boxes check one check other people don't know they don't furrow between the layers like i do they don't switch and twitch and actively make the decisions of which which part of me belongs today? Which aspect of my personality will offend the least and blend the most and work and succeed and bury the lead like a switchboard of traits that decide my fate? And I'm always an imposter, always lost, always asking for directions. And people point my way like the scarecrow, like tornadoes blowing me whichever way the wind blows. Well, Dorothy doesn't want to play today. She's uh -oh. prepping for the SAT, just the Scantron. The box is empty and glaring and daring me to choose one. Well, I'm an expert at boxes. 
My whole life can fit inside it and I've got it down to a science. I can pack my entire identity in an hour because where there's roots, there's power, but I'm all topsoil. My blood runs like water and oil refusing to stick. My dad's old books, red and secret nooks, that camera that locks all my memories in a flash saved for when my recollection doesn't last, that lighter that sparked that fire. All fit in a box ready to be carried from door to door. But that's not the kind of box people ever ask for. So many lines in the sand, so many cans and cans. I see both worlds so clearly. And I skip and jump and dance and fall between. Never seen. I belong in the spaces between. Check all that may apply. And the winner is Ugh. Hunter Chen. Ew, stop. <laughs> that was like um, uh, Kendrick and Macklemore at the Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> no hard feelings, right? Yeah, we're all good. <laughs> Shut up, dude. You, you go ahead. Oh, yeah, she talks to the teacher. That's why I kept this in. Talk to him. Talk back at him like you do so well. Before you say anything, Hunter's essay was paced well. It had a beginning, middle, and end. And it fit within the parameters of what goes on to win at the regional level. Mine had a beginning, middle, and end. Ginny, yours was very good. Don't get me wrong. It was just too unconventional. He's so trash. He really is. He really is. And he's, he's written very well. Like, there's one point where he, he like, it, like they call, he's like, oh, there's, a, there's an N-word in this, uh, you know, in this thing that we're about to read, and I'm not going to read it or whatever. And he then it'll be like, right, Ginny? And she's like, what? Like, it's just like, that's God. exactly the kind of shit those kinds of white old, old mm -hmm. man teachers do, though. Like, oh, my God. Sure do. So he won the contest. Why don't we just go right into their fight about it, and we can talk about it all at once. What does too unconventional even mean? I should have won, getting so clearly being racist. Uh, you don't think I deserve to win? Your piece was impactful. I, I loved it. Trust me, I get it. But the assignment was to write an essay. You didn't do that. It was unconventional. You're siding with Gittin right now? Are you serious? I'm just saying, if you're so concerned about him and what he thinks about you, why are you always causing drama in his class? Oh my god. I have to speak up because I'm a person. I have a voice. Okay. You're an artist. You should get this. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I didn't do a song. It's all about survival. I, I keep my head down. I, I do the thing that's asked. And you're proud of that? Why can't I just be who I am? Because you're half Taiwanese. Exactly. I'm not full white, so getting can't be full racist. Not in the same way I'm not full white. <laughs> Asians get to be stereotyped as talented geniuses yep. and prodigies. Yep. Okay, black women are, are stupid, lazy, angry. Brody doesn't fist bump you. Do you know what it means to be Taiwanese? I have to serve in the military when I turn 19 because I'm a guy. Or I can relinquish my citizenship because I'm lucky I'm also American, but then I'm a draft dodger and just another soft American pussy. When I went to Taiwan, I thought, wow, <laughs> finally, my people. But it was just this hard reality check that, no, you don't belong here either. You have no idea what it's like for me. I'm sorry, does that not fit with me being the cool guitar guy? 
I worked really hard on my essay, and I followed the rules. You really think that if I followed the rules, I could have possibly won? You don't get it. You are closer to white than I'll ever be. Together, we make a whole white person. Your favorite food is cheeseburgers, and I know more Mandarin than you do. You're oh, barely no. even Asian. Sorry, I'm not Chinese enough for you, but I've never seen you pound back jerk chicken. Last time I checked, Brody twerks better than you. I liked your poem, but your bars could use a little more work, homie. So really, how black are you then? Excuse me? What? Literally, what? Because if we're gonna play that game, let's do it. Oppression Olympics, let's go. Ooh. You met my family. I'm out of here. Yep. So yeah, so they have a pretty big fight. So they <laughs> both, and they both have points. Yes. And they also both say things they really, really shouldn't have. So yeah, and they're both <laughs> wrong. They're both right, but they're both wrong. Exactly. It's very interesting. Like, so there was this girl, I always say that I was the only black person in my grade, but little do people know that there was somebody who <laughs> I didn't know this until I graduated though. Like, oh, I okay. Because okay. she's extremely white passing. Like you would Got not know. it. Yeah. But I remember finding out at this party. I don't remember how everyone was drunk. It was like one of those post high school parties where people are like, oh, I'm in college now. I get to get, you know, whatever. Right, right. And like I was trashed and I was coming for her very similarly to how Ginny was coming for Hunter, just being like, you know, you're closer than I'll ever, like you're passing. Right. You know, and, and she was like, well, I don't understand why you're always making such a big deal about being black like why say anything right so i don't know and it is true i mean when you're white passing in black it's not that you aren't oppressed or marginalized it's just that it's a lot easier for you to assimilate yeah yeah, yeah that makes i there's no part of me that looks white like yes i'm light-skinned but like i could not pass for white no yeah and that makes my experience different and i'm not saying hunter could pass either but there are he's a lot more passable than jenny and they've, as I just said in that conversation, he's trying to be palatable. Like he is very much like, yeah, I'm going to play I the game. The rules. Yes. Like, he's like, I'm going to play the game so that like the white people accept me and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to do that. And she's like, yeah. well, I'm not about that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they break up eventually. So um, God, he's, he's such a, a good drip. move. Yeah. He's just like, so, so boring. He's such a like, like, good guy. He's like, oh, I wrote you a song. Now I'm so hurt that you just like, Bleh. You met my family. Like, okay. And <laughs> want to um, get out of here. But yeah, they they both said things they shouldn't have said, and they probably shouldn't be together. So that was for the best. <laughs> we just have one last scene we're gonna watch that I think will be good for us concluding, where Ginny has to talk with her dad about the struggle of being mixed race, and you know, he having a a black dad and a white mom. Neither of them are gonna fully understand your experience because right. neither of them are mixed race. <laughs> So I think it definitely gets at that aspect of it. And really, between all of this, we've covered a lot of stuff. We got some good. This is going to be a good episode. (laughs) Yeah. What's the matter, Gummy Bear? Nothing. Hunter won the contest, and I'm behind on everything here, and it's impossible to catch up. And Mom should have signed me up for more stuff. So it's your mother's fault? Yes. (laughs) What's really going on? You're black. I'm black? And Mom's white, and I'm... Virginia Miller. Goody. Look... I'm never going to know what it's like to navigate your world. And your mom won't either. But you're never going to be really happy until you accept the fact that you're you. That's why your poem was real art. It was. Wow. I see a lot of my work in here. Hmm. Except for that one. That's dope. Who did it? 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's Marcus who did it, by the way. Hot bad boy. <laughs> anyway. Come through my window. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a great, like, not to get back like we always do, but it's also a great bughead parallel with the coming through the window thing. Yes. Yep. Sure um, is. Sure is. Uh, but yeah. So I love that little conversation. I love that her dad like validated her poem and he just he seems like really committed to understanding the nuances of being Ginny, you know, yeah. um, and I love that even though he's not there all the time. He does seem like a pretty good dad considering right. <laughs> that he's not there all the time. His absentness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I and I, I liked what he said, too. Like, you're never going to be happy or content until you can be happy being you or like you know what I mean and that that means a lot of things I also don't think like anyone who's like oh well that trauma doesn't traumatize me anymore like obviously you know you can get through certain things but like for example I I'm 28 and I've been mixed my whole life <laughs> it's not that I <laughs> it's not that I am over my mixedness if that makes sense or right. like i'm i every single day like i i work at a company that i'm the only black person on my team i'm the only black woman in sight like within you know the marketing team right so like i am constantly code switching constantly and like i feel like because i'm lighter because I'm a digestible black, <laughs> so random and annoying to say, but because of all of those things, like I'm not necessarily able to forget mm. or, you know, like it's almost like her father w made it sound like there will become a point where she's not so concerned with being mixed. And I'm sure that's the case. But for me, it's like, uh, that's who I am. I look in the mirror. I think about it every day. It's like very sure. much part of how I move through the world, the choices I make the friends I choose to be with, the partners I choose to date, like, yeah, I don't think it yeah. really ever goes away. It's not something you overcome. It's something you work with and it makes me me, you know? Yeah. And the only reason that it's even something you have to deal with is because of the larger system of oppression. Right. So that's not your problem to deal with. That's white, yes. anything white people's problem to deal with. <laughs> it really is. I mean, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the whole you know social hierarchy of light and dark it's yes it's white people's problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective there's no way i could have done this episode without you oh, <laughs> nor should i have <laughs> it was so nice i love whenever you're like hey do you want to be on this i'm like yes i do Sign <laughs> yes. awesome Sweet. Oh, Wait, where's my baby? Yeah, where's Rumble? You gotta wave to your friend, your friend in LA. Look at the little boy. For your time, as always, super I love fun. You guys. Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Solidarity forever, free Palestine, and abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria.